Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. I was laid on my bed and he was shouting at me. I just remember it being really scary. Hours and hours of questions doesn't end until you give the correct confession. But I thought it was my fault. I'm a bad person and that's why this is happening and I need to fix that. Welcome to another episode of On The Edge with Andrew Gold. It's Kelly Copter, not her real name, but it sounds like Kelly Copter. She's on the show today. She is a former Scientologist, but wait, I know you're thinking there's been a lot of Scientology stuff lately, although it has been mixed up a bit more recently, and I will continue to do that in the coming weeks and months. I'm sort of trialling and erroring things hopefully less erroring, um, and it will all move around and mix up and there'll be some interesting stuff going on and things. But this is very different to, I think, any Scientology story that I've encountered because her parents... Well, firstly, she's British, I should, I should say. And, and secondly, her parents sort of... You know, they started getting involved with what Scientology calls squirreling, as in a squirrel, the little animal. And um, that means going back and sort of doing a homemade DIY version of Scientology and making it all weird and stuff. So this is as much a story about Scientology as it is a story about an abusive upbringing um, and what cults can do to the mind of parents and what they did to her. It's really quite astonishing how... I think since I've started this podcast, how I've seen some parents have treated their children. And, and Kelly is just the most remarkable person. She's one of the, my, my favorite people that I've ever interviewed. She's lovely. She's so nice. She's so supportive as well. She's always sort of, she watches this podcast herself on YouTube. And she's always commenting and saying nice things. And she's just such a joy to be around. And that is remarkable. Uh, it begs questions about nature and nurture because she just appears to have this uh, beautiful nature about her despite what must have been a very difficult nurture so you'll hear all about it the things her parents did to her the pressure they put on her the the neglect and abuse from a very young age from six years old um so yeah do go follow kelly copter that's her sort of socials and everything and her youtube go and find her there uh, and subscribe to her because she makes really well put together documentaries that explain what happened to her and what happens to other people so do support my guests and go check that out if you're a fan of this show please do what what one am i going to say am i going to say follow on patreon.com slash andrew gold that's one of the things you can do it's a big help i'm trying to diversify as much as possible because i'm aware that at any moment something might happen to the income from the audio podcast or the youtube one so it's all about trying to do that and, and to keep you guys with me if something were to happen say on youtube or audio that's a place where we can be in contact about whatever happens next otherwise apple uh some reviews would always be nice uh it's always nice getting some reviews on there so just if you if you listen through apple podcast give a little review please you can also rate it i think on spotify that probably helps or something uh and remember to to watch the videos on youtube and hit the like button so that's a big thing as well on the edge with andrew gold as ever but now oh wait i should say Coming up is Nemo the Mormon. That's next. He's exposing child abuse uh, and financial abuse as well in Mormonism. He's still a Mormon himself, so it's really, really interesting. But now, I'm doing my butt now bit. You're on the edge of squirrel Scientology with Kelly Copter. How are you doing, Kelly? Hi, I'm good. (laughs) Good. Thanks for coming down. Um, So... Your parents, right, you were informed when you were six years old that you were a suppressive person. So somebody who's never, what, no, don't know what Scientology is, what does that mean and what, what, what was that like? So a suppressive person is somebody who is essentially kind of an evil person and will try to sort of destroy you and attack Scientology mostly. Um, this happened when I was six. I my parents were having some like issues in Scientology. Um, they weren't getting like the wins and things they were like promised. So um, I was pulled in for a security check, which is a sort of interrogation. 
And um, they told my parents after this that I was a suppressive person and that their next action was to either handle me or disconnect from me. Oh, my God. So you're right. Parent, it's not going well. And they're thinking, what could it possibly be, I suppose, which you can get in any kind of religion, because the idea is, I guess, in most religions and cults and things, uh, there must be a reason for everything. It couldn't just be the randomness of the universe is too much to bear. And they focused on you. Yeah, so they like look around who's around you, like what person is in your life that could be causing these problems. And yeah, it was me apparently, so... That's the hardest... This is why I say it's one of the most shocking things I've I've heard because uh, I can't even begin to put myself in that position when you're six years old. You're supposed to be, you know, often too too much uh, heralded by your parents and and brought up and told you're the most special thing in, in the world. What... What was that like for you? Do you remember how you felt at the time to be told that? I mean, you know, my six-year-old's memory is not the not the greatest, but I, I can tell you my perspective on it as kind of an adult now. Like, um, you know, my, my mum got pregnant with, with me at a very young age. She was like 16, 17 years old. Um, and she has told me in the past that I took her childhood away from her. You know, that's what she's said to me. So that's how she felt about me. So I think there was already some um, disdain there for me just being there. How can she say that to you? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so I guess during their sessions and things, that disdain must have come up. They, you know, they don't believe that children are children. You're all adults in tiny bodies. So, um, and they also believe you select your body as a you know spirit data and you fly around and pick which one you want um and sorry i laugh about it because it's just no you're absolutely Um, yeah i I understand that so people why would people then choose bad bodies not that you know all bodies are equally valuable i should just say (laughs) but my body at times has not been very good and and and, then but i don't mean that of course but what i mean the reason I mentioned that is because there was an old football manager called Glenn Hoddle who, this is not Scientology, but he had some sort of belief system that in some ways mirrored some of those aspects. And he would say um, that if you were disabled, it was because you did something bad in a past life. Is that is that at all in Scientology? Um, so they have, a, they have a different kind of word for it. They do believe that uh, a person would pick that uh, body but they would call they would, they would call them a degraded being which is awful and I, I hate it. it makes me honestly feel a bit sick um and my my grandma she's sadly not with us anymore but um she used to be a like a mental health nurse she looked after people with disabilities she was not in Scientology um and she would like bring people out on days outs and stuff and and um come by the house and things like that and you know, um, my mum especially would be very like, you can't be near those kinds of people. They're degraded beings, like they will bring you down. It's it's just gross, honestly. It's awful. Was your grandma thinking back to her, a, a positive light in, in your childhood? Yes, she was an absolute legend. She always said what she thought. Like she was always really supportive. Um, I used to put on like little shows for her when I was younger. Um, and yeah, she she's always been an absolute hero. Um, and I miss her a lot. Hmm. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, she must have been such a huge part, given how how your mum. I and I don't want to be. You know, we've just started this this interview, so I don't want to be all judgmental. Yeah, so, yeah, of course. And and my whole point is to try and understand and not 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 judge and but. So you you were saying you got to this point where it was either be what was it handled or excommunicated disconnected disconnected which yeah. does that mean that excommunicate um, yeah, yeah so the two the two ways that could have gone about were either being sent to like a boarding school somewhere um, I got many brochures thrown in my face when I was younger yeah or um, adoption was the other option um, I just I just find this so in, in so you were being handled then that was what they went with and what does that entail. Um, so it's essentially to, this is my dad's words of it, he said that it's um, to stop the troublemaker causing trouble, make them either sign up to Scientology or get them to at least stop causing trouble in whatever way that is. Um, it involved lots of um, e-meter auditing, which is their sort of lie detector thing. 
um, and you're just asked a bunch of questions and you basically have to reveal whatever your evil intentions are. Um, and um, yeah, when I was a six-year-old as well, my dad um, had told me that he had tried to like exercise the evilness out of me. So they'd performed exorcisms on you. They'd made you sort of, they've forced you to come up with sort of lies about yeah. bad things that you're done. This is why I think, and I've, I've, as I was saying to you before, I haven't decided on a title for this video yet, but it might involve something about torture. Do, do you feel, in a sense, you were tortured as a child? Um, I do. Uh, I don't like, there's, there's this whole thing of, you, you know, um, being, a, being a victim of something is really bad. And I think even to this day, I still kind of struggle with it. And I don't want to, um, you know, I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me or anything like that. But um, yeah, the, the things that I went through were awful. I suppose that's a really difficult um, dynamic or that's, that's you, you don't want to, I understand that feeling of not wanting to feel pitied because it's yeah. the horrible feeling. And at the same time, it's like this awful, let's not ignore what's happened. Yeah. Right, you don't want to. You can't just. Oh well, I, I don't want to be a victim, so that didn't happen. And so, so what? I guess you can't remember being six. Of course, uh, I don't even remember before I was twelve. No. Really, I do remember the exorcism though. That was like one of my first memories. Like, right. yeah, okay. So tell me about the exorcism because I did a. For those who don't know, a documentary about exorcism, which we were talking about before yeah. off off camera. <laughs> Knew he was going to ask me. I was like, oh, he'll ask me about that at some point. Yeah, I did make notes about that. Um, just because it's just such a fascinating thing, but also yeah. so so tragic when done to people. I've seen it done to adults. I can't imagine it being done on a child because it's so aggressive. How how was yours? How were you set up in that? Yeah, so I mean, I've seen I've seen your documentary, and it's not so intense with like crosses and things like that. Um, and it, it's something that I have remembered for ages. And I, I hadn't I hadn't spoken to my dad for about ten years, um, and he got in touch with me about two years ago. So I asked him, I was like, look, I really need to confirm, like, is did this really happen? Because I can remember it, but did did this happen? Like, really? You know, and you're just like, what? And basically I was, you know, up, I would be upstairs on my bed um, and he's an uh, OT5, which is a, a high level in Scientology. And it's once you learn about body thetans and all of that jazz. Mm, it was past Lord Zeno, which I think is OT3. Yes. Yeah, right. he got past that and was like, yeah, man, like, of course it happened. <laughs> of course there was a Zenu. Um And yeah, he, um, I had to ask him about this because I was like, please explain what the heck was going on. Um, and I've, I have been told as well, by the way, by um, Aaron, he said to me like, this is squirrel, like, which is sort of off practice, um, off practice of Scientology so he's basically learnt this new technology and gone oh so you know they do sort of self-exorcisms on themselves with the e-meter they sit in a room for hours and tell various aliens on them to leave um, and he then thought he could do this to me so I asked him to explain it he said basically uh, we wanted to get rid of these these this evil personality we thought was in in you, and then hopefully a nice one would have taken its place, is is what he said. Um, when your dad's telling you this, so this is a recent, fairly recent, few last few years. Yeah, like yeah, two years ago. That you're able to have this communication with him because he's since left Scientology. Is that right? Uh, he he actually left when I was fourteen. He left a long time ago, um, but our we've had a very uh, rough rough relationship i can i can imagine and so is he apologetic at all when he's telling you these things he he um i i think he is he's not a very um like expressive person i guess um and and he knows he knows it was what what what's happened was wrong and stuff it, he's never gotten upset about it or angry about it or anything he's just kind of like I was brainwashed and that's how I was um you know and I have some I have a level of empathy for that like I get it but also it's 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 hard to move forward from that sometimes and it's something we're working on like yeah but um it's yeah it's it's tough I feel like yeah okay you were brainwashed but 
they, they, your parents, I mean. Uh, but that that doesn't excuse everything. I mean, the Nazis were brainwashed, but they still, you know, were were punished for their crimes. Um, and some people dispute whether brainwashing is even a real thing, you know. But that's getting into the weeds of it all. But to now not be like, oh my god, what did I do? Maybe he can't even truly think about it because of what that would mean to think about that. Maybe I think I think it's really hard to take responsibility for things like that. Um, and you know, this handling stuff um, lasted like ten years. Like it was it was constant. Um, you know, and I I was an outsider in my own family um, and freezed out of just normal things. So it's. It's a, we don't have a basis to kind of come from. Do you know what I mean? And that's had that really bad. But, you know, we don't have a basis to build something on because I feel like I don't know him um, and I'm trying to get to know him um, in whatever way. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that private. What's changed? the internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about, but in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com heretics and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. I suppose, yeah, it always it always surprised me hearing Mike Rinder talk about, who's another Scientologist, uh, talk about uh, a child of his died and he was sad I think but not that sad because it just meant that the body Thetan or the spirit had passed on to another body and so I guess you're brought up in that world has that affected how you feel about just just growing up that way it must have affected you in many ways now as an adult even um, as you alluded to but has that affected how you think of people is it hard for you to have relationships with others no man like I love people like I I've got I've got brilliant friends you know like I've always had good mates I've always been a bit like you know a bit boisterous I guess but funny like I've always like loved to be with people and have a laugh and stuff I will say I think um as an adult there's things like um arguments I can't do them like I actually can't do them um we used to do these like training routine things where you'd you know sit and have to have things yelled at you and um oh no stare and stuff you know we I did I did loads of that stuff 
and it it kind of teaches you not to to chat back you know and I would never ever dream of um like back chatting to an adult when I was younger or um anything and even now I cannot do arguments at all I hate it um I will stand up for myself now I will say that like you know I back myself up when I know what's going on but yeah I, sh- I struggle in conflict stuff and also yeah like I said being um a victim like I don't I don't in my head that feels like a really bad thing and like you're sort of less of a person if you're that which I know is not true um and it's why I'm trying to come out here and and say say my piece and put put my story out is that to do with the Scientology phrase you pulled it pulled it in yeah so if you get like ill or if you're um yeah not doing well something bad happens to you literally if you get hit by a bus you pulled it in like you made it happen so yeah anything from a cold to if someone hurts you it's something you've done has made that thing happen so it's like justifying um like out like bad action from other people so if somebody hurts you they can justify it because they'll be like well what did you do to make that happen um so yeah it's just it's just all very twisted um so do you have those memories you were saying before of the exorcism that you had to piece together through your father a little bit? Yeah. Do you have, what do you remember? So I was laid on my bed basically and he was shouting at me. They used something called Tone 40. You might have seen video clips of people shouting at ashtrays. Oh. <laughs> um, and it's this really loud shouting basically. And it's it's to it's about commanding and demanding. Um, so he's yelling at me, not even at me, at my body thetans to leave. Um, And yeah, I I just remember it being really scary. It was scary. I was being yelled at for no reason. I didn't know what was going on. Um, And it also didn't work. So Yeah, Yeah. so were you hoping at the end every time, like, or has it worked? Um, Like, the actual, that exorcism thing, I only really, I only remember it happening once. Um, But I did have these e-meter sessions afterwards which are hours and hours of questions um and it basically doesn't end until you give the correct confession Um, okay and did you start to learn what that would be yes um it essentially was that i wanted to destroy my parents marriage um i wanted to make my two younger brothers fight with each other i wanted their business to fail um, and I wanted to destroy Scientology and cause intentional harm to everybody that I know, basically. It seems like, it feels like it's about more than Scientology then. And it felt like your parents just maybe were not happy at that stage and just had, because the first four or five things you said had nothing to do with Scientology. It's just you're to blame for your parents. Scapegoating. Man, what does that feel like to be that child? Oh man, like... I think I <laughs> dealt with it in the best way I could. Like I, I um, I was trying to fix it. You know, I was trying to fix it all. Um, it, like every time I had this confession thing, like it, it was the first time I'd heard it. I didn't understand even really what I was confessing to. But I was like, I'll, I'll try to be good. Like I had this thing of um, maybe I'm just not aware of it because I don't think I'm trying to hurt anyone I don't think I'm trying to ruin their job or anything like so um I started thinking okay it must be out of my conscious or control or something and I'm just going to do whatever I can to make it work um and I thought like you know I had this this my life was not fun like I was I was cry. I spent my childhood like crying and being hurt a lot but I thought it was my fault you know so I didn't want to tell anybody about it I didn't want to um you know reach out for help or ask ask another adult somewhere because I was like I'm a bad person and that's why this is happening and I need to fix that did you try and speak to your grandma about it no I she was always just fun a fun person for me um we actually was separated from from uh, my extended family for a while um my grandma had come to florida with with us once for a flag training which is the clearwater base 
for Scientology um, and, you know, they tried to enrol my grandma on a course and she was like, jog on, mate, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if they were officially told to kind of separate from them, but we, we stopped seeing them um, and, yeah, I didn't have much contact with them until until I um, got older and left. Were you mostly living in, in Manchester at this time? Yeah, yeah, I lived in Manchester till I was 11. Hmm. And were, so were your surroundings mostly other Scientologists? Yeah, um, apart from at school, um, I had normal friends at school, but uh, my parents only had Scientologist friends. They didn't have any friends outside of the organisation. They didn't like me having friends that were not Scientologists. Um, so, yeah. Was that hard at school? I mean, did you get known as the Scientology person or was it also just like, okay, well, that person's Jewish and Christian and this person's Scientology? So I didn't realise that what they were doing was like a religion wow. when, when I was a kid. Like, you know, we, we had to listen to like tapes of L. Ron Hubbard in the car, which I just thought was boring. Like, <laughs> wow. you know. Yeah, so. that's the founder, isn't it? You know, yeah. I, I guess most people know that by this point. Yeah. yeah, and we go to these orgs and we go to St. Hill, we go to all these things. In my head, I'm not like, oh, this is not like church. Like, we're not, you know, we're not going and doing prayers and singing songs. Like, they're going and paying money and doing courses. Like, it's very different. Um, but I think because of the relationship I had with them, me doing these uh, sessions and things, these confessionals, um, you know, I knew that other people weren't doing that. I didn't really want to tell anyone about it. Like I went to like five different primary schools. So I was a new kid quite often. Um, you know, some of the schools I was a cool kid. Some of them I was <laughs> not like, <laughs> but I didn't want anyone to think that I was weird. Like, so I, I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody about it. Yeah. And then you're going like presumably home. Is that why you're doing the e-meter stuff? Yeah. Yes. So, so these are like, do you know how, I never actually asked anyone how they actually work because it's sort of you're holding these two things and like a scribbly line goes up and down. Uh, no, that's a lie detector for right. sure. But, um, and I don't know the like science behind it and I'm sure some people who know more about Scientology will yeah. comment in the thing. But it's basically two metal cans, you hold them, um, there's a sort of electrical current that passes through them, a low electrical current, um, and a needle that is on a... Mm. little machine thing they kind of set the sensitivity um i don't know what all the right terms are for that but essentially the the thought behind it is is that when you think of something you know whether it's past life or a transgression or whatever that needle will move and the person who is doing the auditing will will be like oh what what was that <laughs> you know <laughs> sure and then you've got to make something up yeah do we know why it moves I don't know. I would not have the first clue of why it moves. It could be some, you know, it. I'm not saying it's not affected by what you're thinking about, but I think your whole body is affected by what you're thinking about. You know, like if you're nervous about something, you might have sweaty palms or whatever. I don't know what the how it works, but I'm sure someone will write down the explanation. Yeah, I'm sure it's out there. So, did you have to then say, okay, I've been planning to destroy my parents' marriage and that's the only way they'd let you out? Are you, you, was it your parents doing it, administering the yeah, test? Yeah, they were the ones doing it. It would sometimes be like really late at night. I got dragged out of bed a few times thought for it. Um, it, it didn't help because my mum was, um, she was an alcoholic. She drank a lot um, and, and sometimes she would get into this phase of like, they, they would be having an argument downstairs. I am asleep, like... You know, and and they're trying to get to the bottom of it. So whatever discussion they have, they they go, we need to get me down there, get Kelly down there, get her on, get her on the email and get to the bottom of it. You know, and that oh happened. Oh my god! You know, so and I would, you know, it's very disorientating. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, and yeah, they they would basically be asking me questions, and it would start out quite benign sometimes you know it'd be like okay tell me about your morning right and you go okay i've got up had some cheerios and then got dressed okay like, go again but tell me it in more detail over and over and over and over again for hours and somehow you're supposed to get from there to yeah i i am i have evil intentions to 
to destroy your marriage. Like, um, you know, and they would often tell me that. They'd be like, is it that you want to do this? And I'd just go, yeah, you know, <laughs> that's that's kind of how it would get there. Because I just didn't think, I didn't think like that. I didn't, I never had that thought in my mind, so... So I suppose it's quite a remarkable tool for parents or a couple to have whenever they're arguing. It can be like, look, we're at loggerheads here. It's probably her fault. Get her down on the, you know, and we'll, and then and then we can, you know. What about your? Was it two brothers? Were they, you know, considered responsible for everything that went wrong in your parents' lives as well? No. So I had the joy of being the eldest child. Um, I know. So I had two two younger brothers, um, and we were kind of all in the same boat. You know, we're. Um, not do it we're not doing courses as such like we're involved in Scientology we're all having these things but the the I don't remember them ever getting e-meter checked um we all had to do a version of the purification rundown though um, mm, what's that so it's um a sauna program essentially um there's this belief that you have all these toxins in your body from you know like radiation and cleaning products and alcohol and all this stuff and it's supposed to be stored in your like fat cells in your body so you can go in a sauna for five hours a day for like well there's no actual set time period on it could be five weeks it could be five months who knows um and you're supposed to do this before you can do any other training on Scientology. Now, I have my own theory of why they do that. But um why? Well, well, I don't know. I don't want to say something and be like, "Oh, that's, you know, that's wrong." But I think they do it because I just think if you're in a sauna that long daily um and you know, you're taking all this niacin, um which is awful by the way. You what know, is that? It's 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 a it's like a supplement, I guess. Um, and you take it in such high doses that your skin gets really red, gets really itchy, like it's not fun and you're not supposed to do that. I think it's like quite quite a carcinogenic as well, like it's not good for you. Um, but I think if you're doing that kind of a program, it's quite intense physically, I would imagine, um, to do it for months at a time. And then you have to go into doing like training routines or some course, then, you know, that's going to seem easy. I think people are a bit more suggestible then or like weakened down a bit. Yeah, like, you're worn down by then, aren't you? Yeah, and I think it's presented sort of like um like an initiation or cleansing, kind of like, um, like baptism or something, you know. But it's not. <laughs> yeah, there's a placebo to that as well. It's like yeah. you're, start, you're fresh to start again. You can welcome these new ideas and things yeah. in. Man, and... and five hours a day yeah so we we did it as kids we didn't do it in the scientology building we my parents bought a sauna and put it inside the house um i'm pretty sure we didn't do five hours straight a day like you know we're nine i'm nine they're like seven and eight or whatever um so you know uh we but we did a few hours in it at least um it was something that was mandatory we had to do it um yeah, and it sucked. <laughs> was that because I like saunas, but I get out after fifteen minutes? That's too much. Even ten minutes can be a lot. Was was it excruciating, like the heat? Um, from what I remember, yeah, like you know, it was kind of like a you could come out if you had to, but you needed to go back in. Um, and it was also like uh, if we didn't do it, then we weren't like trying to do it. You know, we weren't trying to. Uh, do what my parents wanted or at least what my mum wanted she was like homeschooling us at this point um we had a bunch of Scientology books we did have a couple of like school books I think but you know um it's amazing have qualifications um uh but yeah she was trying to basically teach it to us herself so those training routines the purification rundown we were doing it at home you know, they were doing it in Scientology and were bringing it into the house. Um, you know, and it's, it's I said it in the beginning of, of the video that I made. Um, the point of it was to show how that doctrine and how that um, can be brought into a household and be how it can affect it. Um, 
So, you know, whilst it wasn't me in those buildings doing it as a child, it was, you know, my dad was an OT5. He was up that bridge. I was like, yeah, we bring that home mm. and we do it here. <laughs> Man, and that's what Erin uh, was saying is, is squirrel, because I've heard squirrel a lot, squirreling sort of a DIY take on Scientology yeah. that won't be official and it probably has some extra bits and pieces in and whatever. That seems mad. And so at what age did you start to, and it's so hard when you're brought up in that environment, you know, but did you start to question some of this stuff? Yeah, well, for me, like I never, I didn't really like buy into it anyway. Um, you know, I'd been to like St. Hill and stuff, which is one of their uh, buildings. It's in East Grinstead. Um you know, and they'd be like, look at all these, like, these, that's, that's an OTA over there. Yeah. I'm looking and they're just like, hi. And I'm, I'm just like, this is weird. Like, <laughs> people aren't like this, I swear. You know, because if you're not happy, then there's something you're doing that's wrong. So they're all almost overly positive and overly smiling. I don't know. Like, I, and I just found it a bit odd, I guess. Um, and because I was being told what I was thought what I was thinking um I was like I'm not I'm not thinking that I've never thought that in my life so this this ain't gonna work for me um and the sort of entry point for us was to start a course do some do some of that um and I didn't enjoy any of it I didn't like the training routines I didn't like the sauna I didn't like the books like you know, I didn't like the tapes. So I was just like, this is clearly not something that was ever going to work with me. I've always been quite like a, um, I don't know, performer type, I guess. Like, you know, I was into music and drama and stuff. So, yeah, just it just was not even on my radar. I was like, no, this is awful. It must have had uh, a negative effect on you. Though. It must have been quite difficult, especially as, as you become, became a teenager and became even more conscious of like how this is, this is, and, and probably to the extent to which they were well I guess I guess I can reframe what I asked before uh, instead of you know when did you start to realize this wasn't that this was nonsense the night the Scientology stuff when did you start to understand that your parents had treated you in a way that was was neglectful and abusive um honestly it took me speaking to somebody at, at school what with what was going on um and I didn't, I didn't want to talk about it, but I was, I was really down. Like, um, I, ha I always say to people, I had this like double life because, um, you know, I'd go to school and people were nice to me and things were fine and I'd go home and it would be the complete opposite. And I was this evil, horrible person, um, having to make amends for all my, uh, transgressions and, um, yeah, I, 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 knew that's how they felt about me there's a part of me that kind of thinks maybe I'm just a bad person you know maybe the people at school will find out that I'm a horrible person and then they'll feel the same like um but um those those people that I spoke to were just so kind to me and I think even to this day like um will remind me be like that wasn't okay like that was not okay um, or if I say like we're having the conversation um, again, you know, I, I have um, there's a, a wonderful lady who I won't put her name out there because I don't want to dox her in case anyone comes for her. But we'll, we'll call her Mork for now. Um, and uh, she ended up being my sort of guardian. Um, I, I got kicked out when I was 16 um, and I needed someone to be my guardian um, and both of my parents signed me over to, to her without ever meeting her. Um, she's wonderful and she's one of my closest friends to this day. Um, but she always has been the one who's like been able to tell me like that's that wasn't okay. Like that's not, um, that wasn't right. Is that what led to you getting kicked out by your family? Because presumably then you've got to go home and they're saying, come on, we're having an argument, get back on the e-meters. And you're going, well, hang on not doing it um so i when they asked me i always did do it they um actually left scientology when i was about 14 um and you know my dad had been going up the bridge he was on 85 and he was like oh it's just more more of this alien stuff and he ended up going online and finding out about it 
you know they kind of were both in a bit of a obsessive like oh my gosh we've been lied to on the internet every day kind of thing um you know but they still had grown up with me who they hated for my whole life so it it was I don't know how they could have undone that bit of it like if they admitted oh well you're not an SP is not a real thing you were never that and we shouldn't have done that I don't I just don't know if they could have done could have got there could have said that you know like they probably need some therapy first or whatever but um you know it it was still not good between us um and you know I started being I say I say rebellious right I wasn't like going out partying or anything but I did like lots of um concerts I was in a jazz orchestra like you know, and we'd have all these gigs and stuff, which is what honestly kept me alive. Like I adored it. It was like a community I felt really valued in. And I would, you know, I'd uh, be like told I was not allowed to leave the house and I would just go. I would be like, I'm doing it anyway. Um, and I stopped caring about um, obeying them and and listening to them. So in that in that demise when I turned 16 it was like you gotta go I mean you're remarkably well-rounded and just from you know from talking to you now Thanks. and from watching your channel Kellycopter which is fantastic just like you know there's charisma people love watching you and and all of that so that's incredible and I guess there must there's always a downside that people can't see uh you've spoken before of, of pulling your hair out I think yeah. as well what when what was what does that feel like to 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 need to do that yeah it's something I used to do when I was younger when I was really really frustrated um you know I, I got in these arguments I couldn't figure out what the right answer was you know um yeah and I, I did I used to sit and like pull down like where my parting was I had this little like I laugh about it now but I had this little like mohawk <laughs> Because I just pulled all the way down it. Um, it took ages to grow out. Um, and yeah, I was it's because I was so frustrated. It was the only thing that made me feel like I could do I could deal with the the pain of what that was. Um so yeah, I don't do it anymore. Mm. <laughs> don't do it anymore. It was just when I was when I was a kid, yeah, I did that. Yeah, it's a, it's an understandable reaction, and I suppose I mean it's it's literally a saying, isn't it? I'm tearing my hair out because you know, yeah. and that must come from somewhere. It must be a, a relatively common way of us dealing with our own pain and sort of uh, just dealing with that that frustration. So at one point, at one point, you went to the UK's only Scientology school. Yes, there is a Scientology school then in the UK. There is indeed. It's called Greenfields. It's in East Grinstead. Um, they take kids from like two to eighteen, I think. Um, and whilst my folks were down at St. Hill, they were doing some courses. We moved down there only for about six months. I was not there for very long. Um, but yeah, they enrolled me there um, and they uh, apply study tech there, which is lots and lots of reading from a dictionary, uh, you know, words you don't understand, uh, stuff with clay. It's, yeah, I don't honestly remember loads about it, but... It, um, yeah, it wasn't like a it wasn't like a regular school. Let's put right. it that way. <laughs> well, Tom Cruise credits Scientology with curing his dyslexia. I believe is that to do with like reading the dictionary because I've heard that before. I, you know what, I've heard him say that too, and I don't, I don't know if it's the, I don't think it's the study tech that did it, or if it was the auditing. I don't know how you can cure dyslexia. Honestly, um, sounds like a joke to me, but. Um, yeah, they they claim to cure all kinds of of uh, ailments. <laughs> mm. It's mad. I mean, I mean, you know, your parents came to realise once they got further up the bridge that this was all nonsense. Tom Cruise obviously didn't, so I don't know. He's still going at that. Um, but it is funny because Scientology, more than anything else, although I'm about to interview a, a British Mormon in a minute, so so it's a similar thing actually. Um, you associate with America, uh, but there is Scientology in the UK, so. Are there ways in which it's it's different or is it pretty much the same kind of thing? I mean, you know, I, I didn't I didn't grow up in America, so I definitely don't know all about that. Um, you know, lots of the stories we hear from people in the Sea Organization that have um, come through that way as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know massively 
how it how it's different here. Um, I think the you know the policies are what they live by. I'm sure the UK has its own flavour. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. the you know the the technology is essentially the same. <laughs> yeah, it must be sort of universal tech Scientology technology. So when you nowadays, let's say you make a new friend or you go on a date with somebody or something, you know, you have to tell this story. I imagine. I mean, what's the reception usually? So. You know, it's a hilarious icebreaker. You know, <laughs> people are like, you know, tell me about you. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, like I grew up in a coal. Um, and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, you know, this. Um, and I've said that since I've created a, a video about it. I'm like, this, I've been, I've put this online. I've made this video. Um, you know, but it's not something I spend loads of time uh, talking about really nowadays. I talk about it online, but with my friends and stuff, like none of them are, Scientologists um you know we talk about like drag race and <laughs> what musicals we like and stuff you know um but I um and also before I actually d decided to come and speak about it I didn't want to look at like documentaries about it I didn't I didn't want to learn anything about it until my dad got in touch with me and we started talking I was just like, right, let's let's have a look at what this actually is because I don't get it. I don't understand. Um, you know, I think it's something that maybe makes my take on it a little different is that I've had some this Scientology experience, but without going up the bridge myself or anything like that. Um, so there's lots of it that I didn't even know about, you know, even I didn't know about Xenu <laughs> until <Yeah>. South Park. <laughs> yeah, loads of people found out then, didn't they? Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but as, a, as an icebreaker, it's an interesting one. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it is, yeah. And has, has your, I suppose when we talk about your story, as you say, I mean, we're, we're talking obviously about Scientology, but what we're really talking about, and I know you don't, you don't, I understand you don't want to be seen as a victim, but we're talking about an abusive childhood and that could have existed outside of Scientology, irrespective of yeah. Scientology. It was just parents who were abusive. Has that affected your ability to to have relationships, for example, romantic relationships? It, it definitely takes me a long time to trust people, for sure. Um, you know, that that's what I would say on that. I've had I've had a couple of relationships here and there, and they've they've been cool. Um, but I'm like fiercely independent, and I always want to do everything myself. And I, I I've struggled to rely on someone in that way, um, just because it requires a really high level of like trust. And and if you're dating someone, you don't really you can't really ask for that. Like yeah. I need to know like I could trust you with my life. Like you can't you can't start things like that. But you know, I, I've had a few dates here and there and you know it's been nice um to do that. Uh but I'm I'm open to it, but I'm just aware of my own um yeah, like independence complex. <laughs> yeah, well, but I think that's okay. A lot of people, I mean, I guess it's a spectrum of how independent people are. And uh, I think you, you can you, that, that can be completely fine. I guess you're very sceptical of any kind of coercion. And the closest thing I think we have to cults in sort of day-to-day -day regular life is can be a relationship. Yeah. And that kind of, so when you want to be independent, I guess what you're saying is that you don't want somebody who's like, hmm, you haven't messaged me in five hours. And that kind of thing starts to become coercive and yeah. cult-like. Big ick. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's that's so interesting to think about. But so, and what about the relationship now? Your dad got in touch. What do you think he he wanted? What what pushed him to get in touch? Um. So he wanted to just reach out and kind of see how how I was and stuff. Um. He's started reconnecting with you know his sisters and things like that. Um. So I think he's just trying to take steps to sort of uh, salvage whatever he can from from it. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. And, um, you know, he's he's seen what I've made and stuff as well. He's he's seen that and he's, um, hap like he said, he's proud that I'm speaking out about, about Scientology, um, even though he knows it doesn't paint him in, in the best light. So I think... Uh, have respect for that um and yeah we'll we'll see we'll see where it goes it's just hard i think just to look someone in the face of 
you know that that you know has hurt you and and to try and move on it's it's a difficult thing and you know it takes courage from both sides um and i'm trying to get there as well um yeah if i can for him to fully admit what he did to you even to himself is that's going to take a lot i think so is this an ongoing process yeah. and would you say that do you feel love for your father or for either of your parents is there love there I think there there is this idea that there there is a level of unconditional love for your family regardless you know and you don't choose your family um you know I I have empathy for my dad at the moment I don't know that that is love um I I'm not sure like um, I've not heard from my mum still to this day. Um, I don't know if I ever will. Are they together? No, no. they they they've been divorced for a few years now. Okay. Um, and what of your brothers? Um, so I just went to my youngest brother's wedding last year. Oh, it congratulations! Was so good. Um, yeah, I was so so proud to see him um, up there and happy, and I was just happy to see him do that um yeah we, he got married in denmark it was very fun <laughs> oh nice okay so you have a relationship with them yeah yeah that's we're, fantastic we're in touch, yeah. okay and then in your channel just give us an idea why should people go i know why they should go because it's a fantastic <laughs> channel but should people go check out your channel and it's, it's just kelly copter is that, that kelly copter i provide in flight entertainment <laughs> <laughs> um i've been off youtube for a bit i am coming back and making some videos so um yeah definitely come check it out i've made a six-part series about Scientology um, and yeah you can you can come check that out if you want I will be looking into some other kind of conspiracies Ooh. bit of mysteries maybe some true crime because I, I like those kind of videos so yeah. I think that's that's the avenue we're going to head down as well Thank you, Kelly Copter. What a wonderful guest. Again, if you want to support her, find her. Kelly with an I at the end, obviously. Um, not Killy, but Kelly. Uh, Copter, find her on socials and everything and on YouTube. She's got a really, really interesting channel. She puts stuff together really, really well. So give that a go. Give her some support. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, you can listen to the Saturday episodes as well uh, and also all of this ad-free on patreon.com slash Gold. Do please give a little Apple podcast review as well and i'll see you next time when my guest will be nemo the mormon exposing child abuse in the mormon church with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.